Unfiltered Career Search Podcast, or at UCS for short. I'm one of your hosts, Sabrina, and we are super excited to be here once again. I'm joined by my co-hosts and friends, Sophie and Amanda. Thank you so much for tuning in. As you guys probably know by now, our podcast surrounds career, college recruiting, and the struggles that come with it all. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode, and this week we're super excited to talk about confidence and living authentically. So lately we feel like there's been this big cultural push to really be confident in who you are and to live authentically. But let's be real, we know that sometimes it can be hard and intimidating, especially when that comes to college recruiting. So that's why this week we're going to talk about what it's like to build confidence in who you are and how to boldly live that out. So in this week's episode, we're going to change it up a little bit. The first half of this episode is going to be the three of us hosts talking about our perspective on being confident in who you are. And then in the second half, we're going to get a story from a student, Catherine, and hear what that has been like through her time at IU to live authentically. So Sophie, do you want to start us off with the first question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so throughout your time at IU, Sabrina and Amanda, in what aspects of your school and recruiting life have you found it to be the most difficult to be confident in who you are? Thank you, Sophie. That's a great question. Personally, for myself, when I think about what was most difficult to be confident in when I came to college was definitely being a woman in Kelly. We know there's not that many of us compared to the men that are in Kelly. And so being able to find women that had the same values and the same feelings about being one of the minorities within the Kelly school was really important. And so for me, I was able to build my confidence and build relationships with people that felt that same way was through joining women organizations. So personally for myself, I joined Women in Business and I joined the Women's Network, two out of a lot of other women organizations you can join. But being able to find those people was really important in helping my own personal journey. That's a really good point, Sabrina. And I can relate to that in some of my classes too, especially the finance ones. I just feel like definitely the ratio is is a little bit different, but I think you do kind of get used to it over time and, and learn how to be a voice, even when you might be a little bit outnumbered. But I think another thing, and of course, what people have difficulties being confident varies between each and every student. But for me, coming into IU, I didn't know much about business. So participating in my classes was really nerve wracking because I didn't know if I was just naive about certain topics to like raise my hand and answer a question. I didn't want to be perceived as if I didn't know or not smart. And so it was just hard for me to be confident in my own knowledge. And, you know, alongside of that, I also... The reason I chose business was because I was interested in in social impact. And I feel like that also has a connotation of like, oh, that person is very naive about how the world actually works. And so just kind of working through that insecurity and learning how to stand confident in myself and being like, no, that is my true passion. And that is why I'm here. And that's okay. I'm, I'm proud of that. Well, how amazing that both of you have turned what was at once an insecurity into now a current strength. And I know that in doing so, You've also inspired a lot of younger mentees of yours as well to follow in your footsteps. Sophie, that is so kind of you to say. I know four years in college can definitely change a person. And it's crazy how much you actually grow and learn to embrace who you are. But moving on, I think oftentimes, although not always, students can be left without a quick answer to the question of what aspects about who you are make you unique. So coming from both of you, Sophie and Amanda, what are a few examples of what this could be and how they could answer this question? Yeah, for me, what immediately comes to my mind is I'm extremely passionate about my faith. Sophie and Sabrina, you probably have both heard me just drop 
little comments in, in conversation that make it known that that's an important part of my life. And I do like to stand strongly and rooted in, in what I believe. And, you know, oftentimes I was debating whether or not that's something I want to bring up in an interview or even as I talk to people that I meet for the first time. And, you know, it sometimes it naturally comes up in conversation and other times it doesn't. But I did reach this one point while I was interviewing that I decided, you know what, I want people to know this about me. And if they decide not to hire me because I mentioned something like that, I don't really want to be at that firm. So then I did make it a point to, in every interview, try to at least somehow bring up my faith just to put that fact out there about me. And I think that did help me to grow in confidence and even more strongly rooted in that aspect of my life. Yeah, I also have a personal example that is unique to who I am and something that I identify with each and every day. And also an example that I've worked to incorporate into my recruiting story, that being that I was born overseas in Copenhagen, Denmark, and lived there for the first few years of my life, um, and still to this day speak Danish and French. And having an entire half of my family still overseas and growing up in a dual-cultured household is something that's really influenced the person and the student and the leader that I am today. So it's important to me that I express my passion for international business when recruiting with companies. Those are both two really great examples of how you bring your authentic self to an interview or an info session or just business life in general. I like that, Amanda, specifically, you talk about a fear of what other people would say or what their reaction could be if you brought up something that maybe they didn't resonate with. But I really love that you really stood grounded in that because I think you should be able to bring your authentic self wherever you go, especially the place where you're working. So definitely that's some really great advice. I feel like we're talking a lot about things we're passionate about or things that we find unique about ourselves. But, you know, oftentimes students might think, I just kind of consider myself to be kind of boring. I can't quickly think of any things that set me apart from the rest of the crowd. So what would you say to those students? To those students, I would say you don't have to have these big, unique identifier about yourself to be able to stand out in in a room. I think it's just as simple as having a story that is unique to yourself. So for example, it could be as simple as you set a goal for yourself and you accomplished it. That's it. It shows that you were dedicated. It shows that you were able to overcome something. And students really overthink these type of questions and they, they feel like they don't have a huge or big experience to apply it to, but it can be as simple as I had a goal to get all A's this semester. What did I do to accomplish it? I had a schedule, I had a support team, I went to office hours, and at the very end of the semester, I got all A's. It's not anything crazy, but it's to the root. It shows who you are. It shows that you were driven and you had a goal that you were able to accomplish. And I feel like students really do overthink it, but just think about it in that context. And I know for sure you're going to be able to find an experience that goes along with it. Absolutely, Sabrina. I totally echo everything you've said. At the end of the day, what's most important is just that you're genuine and authentic, really, no matter what the story is or no matter what the challenge that you overcame. You want to make sure that you're not forcing something, that you're being truthful in who you are. Nobody knows you better than yourself. So I think that that stands out in an interview. The interviewer is going to be able to sense if you're not speaking authentically. So whatever it is, make sure it's an accurate representation of who you are and it's the best version of yourself that you want that interviewer to see. 
thank you both for for being so unfiltered but you know as i keep reiterating throughout this podcast series we know you don't want to listen to us the whole time so we have brought in a special guest who has a really compelling story about living true to yourself and being authentic uh, as you go through college and recruiting her name is Catherine, who is a junior from Clifton Park, New York. Her majors are management, entrepreneurship, and international business. She must study a lot. And she has a concentration <laughs> in gender studies. Her favorite restaurant is the Trojan Horse. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for joining. We're super excited today. As you know, we always start the podcast with the same question, and I am very curious to hear your take on it. So, Catherine, unfiltered, what has been the greatest struggle in your own career search? The hardest part for me has definitely been knowing how and when to be 100% myself. I think it's really tough in the academic sphere and then transferring that into the professional sphere. You know, I ask myself, am I holding back? Have I been holding back with my true self? And being on the LGBTQ spectrum, you have to put yourself out there every day because your identity isn't necessarily visible, but people can make those assumptions. And so I've had to come out to almost every person I meet and consciously make a decision to put my identity out there. And there's definitely that balance of making someone uncomfortable and being my honest self. Hey, Catherine. Thanks so much for sharing that. It is so, so hard. I feel like no matter who you are, just to bring your full self forward. And I think there are so many social pressures and it's so easy to question yourself and wonder if you'll be accepted. So I'm just, I'm so excited that you're willing to share and, and talk about that with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your confidence in sharing your story with us today, Catherine. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into being yourself at school and recruiting throughout this episode in hopes that we can help students feel more confident in embracing who they are. So on that note, what aspects about yourself have you needed to build confidence in and how did you do that? The first thing I've really needed to build confidence in is just talking about myself. I think, especially being a woman and being a gay woman, I've had to censor myself in ways I didn't really think I had to. And I've been able to kind of find a lot of confidence in using those differences. And I found a lot of humility in censoring myself and finding differences as connections and making great first impressions, standing out in employers and really making lifelong friends that appreciate my differences and appreciate who I am. And more importantly, connecting with those that are different too and connecting with minorities that might not feel that same warmth from people that are cis and people that are straight. And the other thing I've really had to focus on in, in self-confidence is self-acceptance. And I don't see my identity represented in the media that often, in employers, in peers, in professors. And I've really found a lot of confidence just writing down almost like a gratitude journal why being a minority, why being on the LGBTQ spectrum has made me a more well-rounded person. I've had a lot more empathy, a lot more compassion than I would have ever had without being on the LGBTQ spectrum. And when you focus on what you've gained more than what you've lost, it really helps out turning that positivity 
and having that self-acceptance really come to the forefront. I really like that you brought up this idea of self-acceptance. I think that's something a lot of students struggle with, whether you're a minority or not, especially when you come to college and you're introduced to so many new experiences and you're still trying to, you know, figure out who you are. I love that you focus more on the gains than the losses. I think that's a great mindset to have and something that I think more people should be thinking about when they're going through this journey. Catherine, we know that you have a very, very interesting story. And you told us that you came out at a very young age. So did that help you in your confidence about being out in college? I came out in high school. So for some people that's very early, for some people that's late, there is no right coming out story. And when I came out, my parents were very supportive. I'm very lucky. Let me just preface by saying that. But they did kind of put a warning in the back of my head. They did say, we don't want you to be discriminated. Don't go tell everybody. Don't make this a huge thing. And it kind of has stuck with me in the back of my head ever since. Because no parent wants their kid to be excluded. No parent wants their kid to be different. And that really didn't make me any more confident going into college. But it did make me know that I have to be 100% ready to come out every time I come out. And so when I came to college, I was fortunate enough to be in the KLLC, so now JLLC, and we were able to see how coming out looks so different for so many people. And it was about 48 hours into my freshman year, and we were all the girls were sitting in the hallway just talking about nothing. And I leaned over one of my you know, new friends that I've known for 48 hours and just kind of said, just so you know, I'm gay. And she turned, smiled, nodded, and said, okay. And it was like nothing ever happened. And that was just such the reassurance I needed to say, okay, I can do this again. I can come out to more people. So I did. And every time it got easier, the snowball effect made it 10 times easier. And the one thing I will say is, if you're unsure about someone when you come out, if they're going to have an adverse reaction or not, Go to people that you think might have a positive reaction first, so that when you go to that one person you're not sure of, you have 10 people to support you, even if that person doesn't. So Catherine, I know you mentioned earlier in the podcast that when you started college, you didn't feel 100% comfortable being yourself in your classes. But how would you recommend supporting someone in their journey to be their authentic self? And in terms of supporting someone in their journey, the first step is really just being open-minded and being available to say, you know what, your pronouns might be she, her, mine might be they, them, but that's what happens. That's different, it's okay. And just being open to the fact that not everybody will be the same, not everybody's coming out journey will be the same, not everybody's college journey in particular will be the same. We've all experienced very different things and being empathetic, open-minded and sympathetic to those different qualities can really help someone be open and feel comfortable sharing their authentic self, even if it's not immediate, even if it is 10 months from now when they really feel comfortable in their own skin. Wow, I love that question because I think just as people in general, we should focus a little bit more on how to create a more welcoming atmosphere just as who we are as a person, that we are more approachable as people. And that's a personality thing. But Catherine, I loved your point. So like, it's a lot about empathy and trying to have an understanding for the people in your community around you. I think that that's such a huge, awesome point. 
So you've mentioned a lot about the authentic aspects that are unique to your life. So did you bring that up in your recruiting interviews? And what was your experience like with that? This is my absolute favorite question, favorite story that you guys could ask. And that's because this past fall, I was going through junior recruitment, which all of you have been through. You know the stress, you know that feeling that this is kind of a do or die situation when it's not, but that's what your mindset is. And when you're going through that process, it's really difficult to say, here's my authentic self, take it or leave it. And that's what I had to do with a company. So I was going through two interviews for one company in one day. The first interview, insanely well, just felt really confident. It was a woman interviewer. We connected being females in the workplace how to go through imposter syndrome, going through biases, and just had a great conversation. Then I move into the second interview, and immediately I get an email saying, your previous interviewer is not going to be able to make it, so we're going to have a man fill in for her, but please be ready in five minutes. Of course, being a Kelly kid, my first thing is, let's LinkedIn stock, make sure we have every information we can on this person so I can make a connection. And I'm looking through their LinkedIn and noticing that some of the things on their LinkedIn are kind of controversial to what I personally believe. But obviously, I can't talk about it in the interview, and I'm really stressed already, so I kind of have to put it at the back of my head, move forward, and keep going with the charge. We get into the interview, and I'm talking face-to-face -face with this guy, and he says the basic question of, tell me about yourself. And my tell me about yourself usually starts with your name, your major, where you're from. And then I break into a sprint of, if I were to describe myself in one word, it would be an advocate. And it kind of asks the question of, why would you pick an advocate? And then I break into telling how, when I came out, I had to grow up really fast. And no joke, he put his hand up and said, I'm going to stop you right there. At this point in time, I am sweating bullets. I'm already very nervous, and I don't know what to say, so I let him talk. And he says, I think that was really bold. I think that was really brave. I don't think many people would have done that. And I'm thinking, okay, oh, this could go either way. This could be really good or really bad. And then he says, I have to give you credit. I have to give you credit because I'm gay too, and I don't think I could have ever done that. And in a world surrounded by straight media, cisgendered people, it was the most unspoken sigh of relief and celebration I could ever feel in the entire world, because I felt validated, I felt represented, and it's a risk talking about being gay in an interview but it paid off in the long run because I made an unbreakable bond with a person. You can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. And that is a story I'm gonna have for the rest of my life. And it meant the world to me that someone took the time to validate how I felt and my identity. This is one of my favorite stories of yours. I think the ending is just something you can't even think of. And it just goes to show how important it is to be your authentic self no matter what setting you're in because you never know what connections you'll make and I'm glad that that experience ended up being positive. So Catherine, one of our last questions here with you today is what advice do you have for people when it comes to living as your true and authentic self? My best answer for this is to live your true self. Live your truth. And that looks very different for every single person. And the best way I can explain that 
is don't change yourself for anyone. Don't change yourself for your friends. Don't change yourself for your family. Don't change yourself for a company. Don't change yourself for anybody. But I know that I'm going to continue to be better and live my truth every single day. Yes, I love it. Love it, Catherine. I mean, even small acts of kindness throughout the day are so huge to impact the people around you. But then also realizing, figuring out what your values are and then taking it upon yourself to improve in those areas of your life but not necessarily changing those areas of your life because of the pressures other people put on you. I mean, it's huge. And you had so much great advice throughout this podcast. I can't tell you how much I admire your boldness and just the time you took out to share your story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now it's time to answer your questions. This week's edition of the end of the episode segment is themed around the place that we love most, Bloomington. So today I'll ask the questions and we'll hear Sophie's and Amanda's takes. Where are the best off-campus places to study? Great question, Sabrina. So I think now that we're all at home for the most part with a lot of classes being online, as safely as possible, it is important for you to get outside of your apartment or your home sometimes too. So a couple of my personal favorite local coffee shops include Inkwell up on the square, which is also owned by a Kelly professor in the business law department. I also love Soma and Crumble. The Point Dexter Cafe at The Graduate is also a really great one that also serves food. And then Monroe Public Library is on Kirkwood as well and very quiet. So take advantage of that. And then finally, I know, Sabrina, your favorite, Bapu has great study space. And now that the weather's getting warmer too, taking like a blanket and going to either picnic or study in Dunn Meadow, that's great. It's always nice to have those other options when you're looking to get out of your house. So Amanda, people always say Bloomington is beautiful and I 100% agree with that, but where can students explore some of its nature? Yes, this question makes me so happy because Bloomington is so gorgeous. So I could just spew off a ton of places, um, and I probably will just because I love Bloomington so much. But definitely, if you haven't been to the Beeline downtown, it's such a fun place to walk, ride a bike, run, and it connects to a brand new park called Switchyard, and it is so cool. Plus, there's a couple dog parks there, and it's always full of dogs. So if you're missing dogs or need like a cool like little puppy fix, that's a good place to go. Also, there's Lake Griffey. If you want to take a little bit further of a drive, there's Lake Monroe, which is beautiful. And the cutouts are on Lake Monroe. Great place for sunrise. The fire tower with an awesome overlooking view. And then last but definitely not least, just 30 minutes away, there's Brown County State Park, which has a lot of trails. Awesome for mountain biking if you're into that. Then you can even go get some pizza at Big Woods in Nashville right afterwards. Yes, there is a Nashville, Indiana. <laughs> Want to get in touch? Email us at unfilteredcareersearchpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions about recruiting, want help from professional coaches, or want to see what events are going on, head to careers.kelly.iu.edu. And as always, make sure to keep up with the job postings on Handshake. We'll see you guys next week with us three and the addition of a special guest speaker. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.